back to Neil Haley's show here on the Kever, Caregiver Dave Celebrity segment. I'm excited to welcome the program. Caregiver Dave Nassani. Dave, how are you? Good. And uh, I think we're going to be going live starting next week. I have a special announcement, but you will have to wait till Monday to hear it when I go live on Facebook. But how are you, Dave? It's about time. I'm great. Thank you. How are you? Good, good. Live. Yeah. See, but see, live only works if you bring an audience, Dave, and bring an audience <laughs> on your personal page, you know, broadcasting on any page, but your personal page. But I got to clean that up a bit. I've been kind of quiet on my personal page. But as everyone knows, we all go in new promotion areas. We it, it never change. We, if, unless we grow, we have to change to grow. That could be a good take right there, Dave. So go introduce our guest. Well, we're so excited to have actress Reagan Pasternak from HBO's Sharp Objects. And she's premiering her debut book, Griffin's Heart. And she plays Katie Lacey. <laughs> and it's available on Amazon. And we're excited to have you on the show. Welcome. Hey, Reagan. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Hey, Reagan, let's kind of jump really quickly into acting. Okay. Did you always want to act? Was this something that, you know, this I, I got to do it, or all, okay. your whole life want to be an entertainer. Okay. I, I I really if and I really I say this to other people when they say they want to get into it. I'm like, if you can do anything else, do it. If you <laughs> know that you can't not do this, because there have been many times where I thought, oh, I'll do something else, and the truth is, it's always a lie. I I I, I just love it. You just you just are it. You are it, or you aren't it. And I I, I live and breathe it. I do. That's important. I'll, I'll make a note of that. <laughs> I don't know what it means, but it just, you know, it got me through so much just uh, having that passion for something. You know? Yeah. And it's, it's important, Reagan, if you don't have your passion in your life and you go deal with certain things and you kind of feel like you're being stuck in something. And I guess you chose early what you wanted to do. And I think that's fantastic. And Were the fans they- recognize passion too. They, they know if you don't have it. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of those things. It's like, it's like almost like you can't really tell what you look like. You see yourself all the time. For me, it's just, it's just, uh, it's just, I don't even know. It's just, it's the only thing that kind of keeps me uh, focused and uh, I never get bored of it. So. Were you in theater at all growing up too? Yep. So I, I started, um, I started with singing actually. And so then I ended up doing a ton of musical theater stuff and, and I uh, went to school for the arts and then went to college for the arts for musical theater and um, and right out of college ended up getting a Disney series. So I went kind of into the the film and TV world pretty quick out of college. But um, but really, musical theater is kind of always my heart. You know, it's just its own thing. <laughs> well, it's pretty common for actors to go into directing and producing and uh, other things. But um, it's it's rare that an actor becomes an author. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Yes, well, you're kind of an anomaly. Well, I, I, my other passion, you know what I think, (laughs) acting, I should say my passion is creating. I love creating. I love being creative. If I'm not creative, I'm, I'm, I'm a mess. I'm not fun to be around. So um, my other passion is animals and, and I love animals so much. And I, I guess I am an author because I have a book and it says my yeah, name. I guess so. <laughs> so, but, um, but really I almost just had to write this book. I, I just needed, I had this book inside me for many years and uh, mm. took a long time to get clear on what I wanted it to be. But yes, I guess I'm now an author, but I, I mainly just this author. of well, this Because book. of the passion, how did the passion for animals start? Is that growing up too? 
I think so. Um, my family always had animals. My mom, you know, my mom was into wildlife and nature and um, we always had dogs and cats and um, just kind of, my whole life. I had many, there was times where I had five dogs at a time growing up. And then, um, and then as I got older, I had my own animals. And then uh, I got into actually kind of rescuing animals the more I learned about how many, how many homeless animals there are out there. So I've got a whole full house of, I've got a, a mommy cat with tiny baby kittens in my bathroom right now that I'm oh fostering. Yeah. And I've got a, you're a cat lady. I'm a cat lady, dog lady. I'm all of the ladies. I've got three so, dogs as well. And, and uh, so how many animals, Reagan? Well, I'm fostering the mom and the babies. And then we have one cat that's ours and um, we've got three dogs. So we've got, I don't know, how many is that? Uh, four, it's five. It's enough. Eight, eight is enough. Eight is plenty. And, See, I, and I, I have six kids, so I understand that, and two cats. So I guess uh, eight, so it's, I guess kids are like animals in certain ways. I, 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 I have one human son as well. And he's, he's, he's an animal lover like me. Thank goodness. Because those are Neil. his that, that's a great title for a book. Kids are like animals. I think I'm going to write that down. Uh, and when you, in, the, in the midst of the pandemic, they're like animals. <laughs> I, they, we really have to they not be able to go outside as much, not be able to do certain things anymore, not be able to socialize, depending on what area of the country you live. I mean, Pennsylvania is not shut down like California, but still, what We're kids opening. have gone through, Slowly. what all of us have gone through in, the, in a year, in a week, has been rough. And hopefully it slowed down. And animals have suffered a lot too, Reagan, haven't they? That are you know, what, you know what? It's actually been both, to be perfectly honest. There's there the rescue, the shelters have never been more empty because people finally were home, knowing they had to have their kids home and they finally had time to adopt. So that if there's a silver lining to all this, you know, horrible tragedy that's happened during COVID. That's that is the silver lining. They've been empty, and, and there's wait lists for dog rescues. We're here, and especially in Los Angeles, they're usually they're euthanized every other second, literally. Yeah. And that's uh, that's really changed. So that's an amazing thing. That's an. And and hopefully, I, they stay adopted. I know. When things are normal. Yes, exactly. But you know what? I I right now they think have, positive. Yeah, exactly. You got it. You got to think positive. But um, yeah. No, having having kids, having animals during the pandemic is. Uh, Actually, having animals have been the reprieve to the pandemic, I really think, and having kids home from school and stuff, that's been tough. Totally. It's been completely tough for everybody. Okay, so I have an author question. So I'm, I'm writing my fourth book now. Um, oh. So does it, does it flow for you? Do you just sit down and, and you just, next thing you look at the clock, you know, 10 hours went by, or is it, do you get writer's block? I mean, what's the process for you? Well, I would love to know your, your answer to that question after, because that's what <laughs> one book, but I... So this book, this book, okay, well, this is the answer there. I started about 10 years ago after I'd lost my little soulmate animal, Griffin. Oh. And I, I felt so isolated um, talking about this kind of pain. They call it disenfranchised grief because many people don't take it, um, take it quite seriously in society. So I, I started realizing I wasn't alone and feeling this way. And I knew I wanted to write something. So I started so long ago, but I didn't really know what I wanted it to be. I didn't want it to be this heavy, sad book on grief. I knew I, I wanted it to become interactive. So as time went on, I kept writing little bits and pieces. So there would be moments where I was in that flow state for right. sure. But um, until I committed, which was about 
two and a half years ago, that's when I would really feel that amazing feeling that you're talking about where, and, and, and I felt both. I had many times where I had yeah. writer block and my editor would say, you need to expand on this chapter. And I would sit and I'd be so mad. And I, was like, I, <laughs> I hate when they say that, <laughs> yeah, and, uh, but um, he was always right actually. And, and I would expand on it. Sometimes it just clicks and you're like, where did this even come from? Where did, right. where, who wrote this? And sometimes I read it exactly. and I'll flip through it and I'll say, I wrote that. I, I can't. Yeah. No, I, I know that. And uh, to answer the question that you asked me, I it's both as well, because either it flows, it just depends on the mood I'm in. When I'm tired, I, I should not even try it because I'm, I'm just cheating myself. Uh, so two years ago, I just went to Hawaii for an entire month because I've been putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. And so I got my book written in Hawaii in one month. And so when I got home, of course, I had to edit it. And I think it's harder to edit it than it is to write it. But do you, you don't outsource that editing, Dave? I don't outsource anything. I wear a lot of hats. Oh, oh my. That's me. That, that's no, I did outsource, uh, you know, the copy editing and the, uh, right. but then, you know, you've got to take it back and you've got to, you got to do the final tweaks. You're, but you're a pro. So you, you've yeah. done this. See, he, I needed help for sure. So, and I deal yeah. with everybody should have podcast an magazine do that. And have to write every time for podcast mm -hmm. magazine, writing sports articles for them, which, you know, have to be it's a process for me. It's like, you got to listen to the interview, then take whatever interview from that sports podcaster, you know, celebrity podcast, whatever, and go through the process and say, well, that's not going to go well, you know, taken from an interview and then creativity. And I think it's so hard. I can't yeah. imagine sitting down and writing a book. So how long did it take you? Well, once I committed, I, I, and you know, I am, I'm still acting and doing all that stuff and being a mommy and, you know, balancing all that too. So I decided to commit to writing a minimum of two hours a day and whether that meant it, whether I was filming, whether, whatever I was doing, I had to do two hours a day, whether it turned out to be terrible or not, I had to get it out. And so that really, that really, and most of the time I would go much longer than two hours because I'm a terrible sleeper and that helps when you're trying to write a book. Um, but um, so, so yeah, by the end, it, you know, the, that, those two and a half years, I, I, I really just, you know, buckled down and did it and tweaked it and tweaked it and tweaked it literally until the very last second I could. And, you know, and so um it was so it was so fulfilling it was hard it's and i think those final stages the editing all that that right. stuff harder because it's not creative it's that's much more technical and i'm not as good at that i'm i'm such a right-brained thinker and so uh, that stuff was tough and but man it was it was fulfilling it was it felt so good and because i believe in the book so much it's so authentic to who i am and that part of it really helped because uh i felt like i could put it out there knowing that um i hopefully am contributing something to people's you know pain that they're going through i can see you directing and producing and writing screenplays in the future can't you Oh, well, that is so nice. I don't know. You're a writer. You're in the um, film industry. You're an actor. Uh, writing a screenplay, you could probably do it in the dark. <laughs> oh, no, so that stuff I've done here and there, but it's, I don't know. It's just, you know, it's just, I have friends who are incredible screenwriters and right. it's just not, that's, I love being directed. I love, I love <laughs> that. I love the collaboration. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know. Because you're busy as as you looked at her resume, Dave. We, we go through seasons, actor. though. If you're you a know? working, if you're she's a working actor, 
working actors are busy all the time. And Reagan, as you look at your resume, you've been in a lot of stuff as a working actor, either as a major role or just a, a guest starring role to different things. And that keeps you busy, which you got to be thankful for uh, in a way, but you're always, you don't have as much time. Would you agree if you're constantly always working? Yeah, so. it's true. And then on top of that, you know, after you, we all know you have a child and then everything kind of changes, you know, <laughs> your, your priorities change. I had to, yeah. I was just doing a, a reoccurring that was shot in Atlanta the last few months. <clears throat> I just came back a couple of weeks ago. So I was back and forth, back and forth. And, you know, you really, you do miss, you miss being home in a different way when you're a mom, when you're a sure. parent. So that was, that, that, that does change it. That last, that last span, that last episode that I was doing in Atlanta on this new show, I, uh, Which I just, you can't say till it comes out. I can right? say it's, it's a new show called Miss Pat. It's a, it's a sitcom and it's on BET. I'm okay. the white lady on the show and, uh, it's hilarious. It's, uh, Pat, Miss Pat is a stand-up comedian and she's brilliant and so special and unique what she does and very not PG, just FYI. Right. Um, but um, but uh, so now she has a sitcom and I just am so proud to be even a part of this show. It's so funny. What part do you play? I play the um, annoying um, uh, PTA mom who's, cause Pat, her character moves into this white right. neighborhood because she's you know making more money and she's moves into this she like came the jefferson's the moving on up yeah well she came from the hood in atlanta it's it's very based on her life she has a best-selling book called rabbit uh, miss pat right now so it's it's tons tons are taken from that um that book which is incredible by the way i'll plug that book that's for sure um and um so she and so it takes it takes from her life and i i play this you know kind of clueless um, right. but good hearted, very good hearted, uh, PTA mom. And, um, first we, we kind of butt heads. And then as the, as the se season goes on, we, we become friends and, and, uh, Does I she patronize that. you a lot. There's patronize <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had to say, it's not even funny, <laughs> but anyway, um, no, she's, there's a lot of, I, I'm, I'm rude to her. I'm very passive aggressive to her at the beginning. And then after a while, they just start making fun of my whiteness pretty much is, is the joke is how clueless I am about so much in the show. And it's, it's, uh, it's done well though. Cool. It's done well. Yeah. And see, that's interesting. And, uh, based on it being based in Atlanta, who was the production company for the speed t-shirt? Well, so it's BET. What do you mean? I don't really. No, know. I was thinking it was maybe a production company for it now, that was involved in it because uh, BET that some of the BET shows are done by. Uh, oh gosh, my, it's tip of my no, tongue. No, it's not Tyler Perry. It's not, no, it's not Tyler, Tyler Perry. No, Tyler Perry. I think wanted to buy it, get it, but they they wanted to do their own thing. I think it's just really Miss Pat and and the incredible uh, creator Jordan. Uh, Cooper, who and and then BET. I'm pretty sure that's it. I mean, at all our read-throughs with the networks, it's just always BET people. So I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something. No, that's no, that's definitely. I was just thinking Atlanta and so and yeah. shooting, but it's amazing. It's it's interesting to see how amazing how BT's grown as a, with different great shows that are on there. Well, yeah. this show is like nothing else I've ever seen on television. It is so unique. I don't know how else to say it. Say it, but it's it's both completely has zero regard for PG language and also has so much heart. It is, you know, so it's, and it's, I don't, I've never seen anything like this on TV. So I, I don't know how it's going to be perceived, but right, I, exactly. I love good, it. Good writers. 
so good. So good. So let's so jump, good. let's jump to the book. You've not told us all the gist of the book. So let's go. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the book is, uh, you know, it's part memoir. It's part of my journey of figuring out what it means to mourn an animal. And, um, and then it's also very, very interactive and, um, and it has tons of journaling places for photos. Um, it's, I, you know, we tried to make it absolutely as beautiful as it can be so that it's a keepsake at the end. There's tons of healing exercises and, um, um, it's, it's almost as if I'm sitting with the person who has lost their animal and we're figuring it out together and, and, um, and just honoring that kind of, that I think it's great. I have one of my clients wrote a book and she's a undertaker's daughter and she wrote a book uh, light oh. in the morning about death and how to over to deal with it and how to honor everybody. So it's interesting, isn't it? That yeah. yours is for animals and she yeah. was more of humans and how yeah. dealing with it, but there's not really a lot of books out there for animals, right? To mourn their death. There, there wasn't for me that was um, that's why I almost started writing it there are some there for me they weren't the resources that I wanted I wanted something completely what's the word like more connect I wanted to connect and and it, I didn't want it to just be this dense textbooky kind of book I wanted it to be easy to just because you know the truth is that pain does really hurt you know I've gone through many other kinds of losses in my life and I yeah I felt that grief as big as I could. Feel. I felt it with my 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 first dog I grew up with. I still mourn that. It's interesting, and the other animals that have passed on my first cat. So it's weird. It's weird to look at that, but as much of mourning of another loved one. It's and so that's- true, and it's not weird. And that's that's the whole thing. It's not weird. And it and it and to me, while I was writing it, actually, I lost my mom, Oof. and. Um, so I had to kind of apply the things, sorry, this happens every time. Um, I have to apply the things I was read, uh, learning about mourning an animal to my mom, you know, and you kind of realize it's all where you are in your life. It's what it, what it, you know, it's every memory that you had. And, and those apply, those apply to an animal just as much as they apply to a yeah. person. They just yeah. do. And, and, and the part that I learned, and I hope that people feel that too, if they, if they get the book that, is that that it, learning about yourself through grief is such a gift. It really is. And I really think it's made me a better person. It's, it, it, I mean, it sounds so cliche, but it's actually true. And, and I've been hearing that from other people now who've read it and are writing the incredible messages and saying the same thing. It's just kind of opens you up to, to see who, who, who was that animal that, that seems so <laughs> special and who was, who, who, who am I, you know, who, yeah. I love that animal, you know, and you learn so much. You, you why do you need such unconditional love? What, when, when did they come into your life? What was that time in your life? You know, and I, I go through all those moments in, in the book. So, and everything I write, the reader writes on a, on another page. So um, every experience is shared with me and that person. <laughs> yeah. I too speak about grief in one of my books. Uh, it's my life too thrive and stay alive as a caregiver or talk about the anticipatory grief, the anger, the denial, the bargaining, the depression, and finally the acceptance. But you used a term I've never heard before. I was going to Google it while you're on disenfranchised grief. Tell me about that. What is that? Yeah. So disenfranchised grief, I did not come up with that term. That's a term in the, the, the dictionary of psychology. And it is grief that um, society doesn't necessarily take seriously. And that could really? be worse. And that could be the loss of a job. And that could be, 
the loss of a friend you knew back in high school, but you really didn't keep in touch with them. And so somebody's like, why are you in grief over this? And, or, or, wow. you know, wow. a, big one, a big one is, is animals. And I never uh, heard of that. That's I add a chapter in my book. So yes, Reagan, so would you consider a loss of a job if you've chosen to resign? Do you still have some grief in that thought process? Because I just did resign from my job to focus on my business full time, which I had full time before and I had to get a job, but I've grown it enough now to replace that income, but it's very hard. And it's still a grief process just today, just thinking about it. Wow, Monday, my routine will be different. Right. You know, and, and, and I've spent that time. And so I understand which is yeah, I, I think the point of disenfranchised grief is that if it's a loss that you feel and you're 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 grieving it then it's real and sure. and, right. and and it doesn't matter what anybody else says and you have to you have to find space and time and you have to cultivate that yourself most of the time even if it's for a few minutes a day and actually explore it because otherwise those things stay in you and they build up walls. They build up resistance, wow. they build up, you know, you, you, they, they permeate the way we love and see things. And, and I researched the hell out of that. So I believe that a hundred percent that, you know, people become getting anxious, they get anxiety, they get insomnia, back pain, things, body, mind stuff is real. And, and if you're not dealing with grief, you're going to feel it. You're going to feel it. And you might not even know why it's there, but you'll feel it. So I, I am such a huge, huge believer in that. Yeah, it's important that people know about grief because they could be going through it, not knowing what they're going through. And it's a very scary process. And if, when somebody told me when I, oh, that you're just going through the grief process. Oh, really? And I learned about it. And I said, oh, this is kind of normal. Okay. You know, and, and it took a load off my shoulders i wanted to ask you is this a children's book or is it an adult's book or is it in everybody's book it is it's not a children's book there are a couple things in there that i just don't think a child is going to get and and um, my own stories in there it's not it's absolutely fine if a child wants to read it but right. um but um yeah because i've had that question a lot i the cover has has a childlike feel to it because i i believe animals connect us to that that part of ourselves that are you know that Sure. They talk in cute voices and they, and they make us feel, you know, it's such it, because it's without language, our connection with them. It's, uh, it's, it, it, it's very of the heart. Um, but, um, so I wouldn't say it's for children, but I would say that once you read it, you might know how to talk to your children about it all better maybe because you realize that it's all, you know, how, how much it's, how important it is to honor it. And what age limit would you put uh, if a child wanted to read it? I mean, what's, what's a good age where they would kind of understand it? it really depends on the child I think my, <laughs> exactly. I, really, I actually talk quite a bit about you know my son here and there and there and in, in the book because he has such a kind of otherworldly view on uncertain things that I don't know where he gets these ideas from. <laughs> um, you have a but, winner by the way Reagan you have a winner this is a perfect branding one in a lot of ways because you're differentiating yourself in this topic matter and yeah. what I would say to you as I'm all into podcasting now more than I ever was so I always consider myself a radio tv host yeah, you're gonna be on. You're on TV as well, Reagan. This is gonna be on television as well on my TV station. I have, but the point I was going and YouTube. But the fact is, and I consider myself that. But now as a podcaster, your topic alone, mourning the loss of animals. If you created a podcast just on that, you'd be top notch, huge. Tell me. Really? 
Well, that's interesting. Niche, niche, niche is the way to go. Yeah, I agree. And you, I might you, you, you advice on that at some point. That's for sure because I don't, I don't know that world at all. I listen to podcasts nonstop, but I, but I. Everyone listens to podcasts. That's why. It's so true. And animals and pets is a connection where two people have nothing in common. One could be for Biden. One could be for Trump. Just furthest from each other, and a, and a pet will bring them together. You are so right. I, I, I really feel that way because I, you know, I, I also have been so political. You know, I'm an, a Canadian in America who can vote now, who could vote. And but um, you're so right that I would have my ideas. But as soon as that person, I find out they pick up their little frou frou, cute little dog <laughs> and they're kissing, I'm like, oh, they're good. They're sweet. Exactly. <laughs> it's amazing. It really is. It, it's a connecting, it's a connecting force. Those yeah. guys. So yeah. the, how long has the book been out, Megan? Um, it's only been out for maybe a month and a half. Um, so, but you know, as uh, my publicist has said, this is not a book for like a one, a, a one, one shot. This can last forever. This will be one that you can continue to promote for years and years. That, yeah, I think so. and, and depending on the publisher you went through, right? That if it's your book, it's your ownership, you can just continue just to run it forever. And once we go back to normal, the tips are you should be going to every pet event and be at those pet events and different places as a vendor or have someone be the vendor at those places for you. And you could sell those books all day long. This is because a great, great advice. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Cause I'm used to giving those, those uh, gems and I'm going to drop more and more because the clubhouse <laughs> I'm used to every conversation <laughs> trying to make it like clubhouse. You've convinced me. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> okay, I'm waiting for money now. Come on, Clubhouse. Okay, what right. am I? What is uh, Clubhouse sponsored <laughs> today? Clubhouse sponsors the Neil Haley Show. That's what I want. Right? Right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, Dave, we'll go to the final question. But I'm very, I, I'm telling you, you have a winner that wow. can stay for long periods because the more you get to all the different people, I think you should send your book to uh, the guys from uh, the the dog, the dog show. I've interviewed both of them. Uh, all these different people you should send to every celebrity that you don't know personally that has an animal because they really would see this as something they really want to promote. That's my thoughts, but go ahead. It. I will take all the advice. If you think of anything, <laughs> you let me know. I really will stay in touch for sure. So Dave, go ahead and, uh, ask the caregiver question now which again we heard a little bit of the story bringing up the loss of her mom so this is really interesting go ahead Dave. yeah so i'm a caregiver my wife uh, had a headache when she was 52 turned into a stroke lost her speech became paralyzed one side and i didn't have caregiving on my resume i didn't know what the heck i was doing but i learned we we went through the grief process you know for about two and a half years didn't know what it was at the beginning but we, it was bad. I mean, she was angry most of the time. We almost broke up, but we hung in there and our love was rekindled. And now, you know, I went to a, a support group and that really helped a lot, put my oxygen mask on first. And I realized that there are other caregivers out there who are suffering. And so now I'm a Dave, the caregiver's caregiver. I help them stay alive because 30% of them die before their loved ones do. The rest of them become sicker and need a caregiver then of their own. And so I've discovered that uh, everybody is eventually going to become or need a caregiver. And so my question to you, Reagan, is has caregiving touched your life? I mean, you don't even realize it, but that pet of yours, you were the pet's caregiver. And just when the pet goes away, 
we suffer the same grief that we do. Dave, when, you've when just ones. thought of another target market for caregiving, uh, caring for sick animals that are older. There you go. But go ahead. And I'd love to have you on my show and talk about the disenfranchised grief that you were talking about, in other words, because uh, my shows, my radio show is to uh, caregivers as well. His that. own caregiver show. Yeah. Great, oh my great. God. Well, I, I, I just right away just think you're such a special guy. I can just oh. feel from you. Seriously. I, I mean, I mean, I hope that doesn't make you uncomfortable, but you just. No, because like, I knew you're a special woman. <laughs> and, and you're, and you're uh, just, just that, that's a lot to go through. Um, well, the, you know, listen, that's a whole other talk because my mom was sick since I was seven years old. So yeah. I, I, I grew up as a caregiver. I didn't even know any other way of being. So I, yeah, that's a whole other thing. But, um, and maybe, maybe that's part of, maybe it ties into why I love animals so much. I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe it's, um, there's so much. Maybe easier. the animal was your they caregiver. Really are. <laughs> they, they are. I feel like they are our caregivers because they're so unconditional. They ask for so little. You know, at the end, it is always as hard. Feed you know? me and love me. <laughs> exactly. Here at the end, I have a dog who's old now, and he's he needs right. to go out every five seconds, and he's crying. He's uncomfortable. You know those kinds of things, and it's hard. But um, it's it nothing. Nothing is like a, a human kind of when you have to take care of them and they're sick and. Um, yeah, that's a lot. Oh, I would love to. I would love to talk to you about that because um, I would love to know more about everything you went through as well. Just uh, it's it's intense. It's intense, and I believe community is everything. Do you guys know Brene Brown? You know, of course, everybody knows Brene yes. Brown. She's brilliant, brilliant. But she talks about connection in this way that I mean, she's just so gifted. So you guys remember Reagan? You and Dave are right down the road from each other, so you guys have to connect. That's true. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, you can come over. We'll Sherman Oaks. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. All my information's on my website, caregiverdave.com. You can check it out. Absolutely. But anyways, yes, I, I have quite, I've been touched quite a bit with that. And um, it's kind of in my blood now. I don't even, I don't know another way to be. So to you on That's that. great. So what shows right now, can we can, what are you on now currently, Reagan, to promote? Sharp Objects. Again, I, I, I want to watch the rest of it. I'm so bugged I didn't. And I, it's I like- I don't, I didn't watch the, I've never, I think I watched the first episode. I, I watched the first three episodes because they gave me that and I was so hooked and, oh, really? and, and, and I was like into it because it's just, I thought it was just a powerful show and, and, and it really is. And then, well, I didn't game and I don't have HBO. See, there's the thing you say, well, why don't you have HBO now or whatever, but what shows do you have right now you're currently promoting that you could say that other people should check out to not just your book. I would definitely say look out for Miss Pat that's coming up. That's the most recent thing since all the COVID stuff that I've been that I've been uh, working on. I have a ton on actually being Erica is my my show that I did for years and years that now it's on HBO and it's on Netflix. It's on everything. Being Erica. Uh, yeah, that was uh, that was a show yeah. I did for four years and they're actually they're remaking it now, of course, as they remake every show. But that was my uh that was one of my favorites. Uh, I, there's so much. You're, you're not going to be able to. I, I, my mug is everywhere. You'll see it, some, whether you like it or not. I trust me. You I do look familiar. 
no, yeah, I, you know, it's, it's been doing that. It's a long see, but time. Dave doesn't remember who what certain that's just playing Dave. <laughs> Dave forgets <laughs> things sometimes. I forget things too, but I forget people's names. Well, I'm older that's than because, you. Neil. No, but I've taken a lot of chair shots. I'm a former pro wrestler, so I've taken oh, a lot of chair shots. Taking a lot of hits to the head. Yeah, so I, I think I, I either I have too much information in my brain that I don't remember people's names. Unless I really remember them, like not remembering Tyler Perry during the interview. Come on now. <laughs> so that mean that so that sometimes when you're on the spot, there are things that I forget on the spot that I can't even believe. It's so embarrassing. Just right. call it see, Swiss see, cheese too, memory, too, too, and you just see, hit a I, hole. No, I, but I can remember stories. I'll tell you stories of different things I've had, that I've said, but then it comes to names. Uh, who knows? It's scary when you think of the whole CTE thing. But so best place we connect. First of all, your book is available on Amazon, right? and all the different and, and independent bookstores as well. And uh, we definitely have a link uh, to your book uh, in different shows descriptions. And also uh, just check you out in all different places, right? The other things and Miss Pat will be coming out. When is that? Uh, summer. I'm the worst. I, I think late, late spring, early summer. And, and any other projects you can't tell us about. You got other things. Follow me on, on Instagram. You're going to, I'll, I'll let y'all know. It'll, it'll just One of the new tips on Instagram, and this is a podcasting tip. Whenever you're a guest of a podcast, tell them this. You take whatever interview from Spotify, you can do it too. And you could share it to your story. So it just goes straight to the story. I learned this from, uh, from Pat Flynn. I was watching uh, his, he's a famous podcaster. And he basically said in a tip, and to share your show, the best way any episode you've ever got an interview, whatever when you find on Spotify, is you can share it easily to your story. And it's okay. awesome. It really has a cool looking thing in the story. And the other tip he gave, look at how I remember these tips and I can throw these out. It's, it's, but I remember Tyler Perry's name. And what you can do from that tip is do a quick story saying, hey, I really enjoyed this interview I did on so-and-so show about my book. And then you go right to the store and then it, the next thing then puts post the link to the story right after that okay from spotify yes okay that's because good. it works because instagram you know you can you can do a link if you have ten thousand swipe up but that's they don't do that as much but this way it's a real good way to share the link to the spotify okay. it's it, it, so this was a tip and i'm going to try it and see what the downloads are brought but it's a great idea for you whenever you do a guest appearance well, I don't want to post it always in my feed. That's kind of, but stories, it's always good to have as long a story as possible. And then you're selling your book on your story more than on your, where Instagram won't let it go into the feed as much as in the Instagram That's story. True. That's true. And I, I'm, I was the worst with social media. I was like the last person to, I just kind of got on Instagram when I knew that I had a book coming out because I, I, I just, I, I, this is not how my brain works, but so this is all stuff. This is good for me to know. I, it's, it's all, it's all good for me. It's to good. Know. This is a tip for our audience. And if you want to know more about me, which I never promote, go to neilhaley.com, check it out. And, then, and if you want to schedule a quick branding evaluate, free branding evaluation way for me, just go to neilhaley.com. See, Dave, I've not been doing that. Let's see the action. Okay, fans. You know, and I'll, always you can find me on Clubhouse too. I have a I have a room every Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern. How through how to build podcasting, build your brand through podcasting. One to three. And Dave, you missed it when Grant Cardone jumped on stage with me. You missed you it. You should have pinged me. I did. I just I had to send that information, and, and then he did a PTR after that. But all right. Well, this is great. I love a little bit longer conversation. Enjoyed it. And guys. Tune in 
We will be live next time. Dave's all pumped up. I just got to get my Facebook <laughs> audience going. Wake up, America, and we'll, we'll be back. And But I appreciate it, everybody. And thanks again. That was the Caregiver Dave Celebrity segment. And I appreciate it, Reagan. Take care, guys. I appreciate it. See ya. Bye, guys. Neil Haley here. Lensec has been a sponsor of the Neil Haley Show and Total Media Network for around a year and a half. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about Lensec. Lensec has been a pioneer in IP security videos since 1998. The company is a trusted security partner with experience around the world. Lensec has experience working with customers in higher education, K-12 education, government, public safety, critical infrastructure, healthcare, commercial, and more. The physical security experts at Lensec help customers develop enterprise solutions for their complex physical security projects using our flagship software, Perspective VMS. Lensec's enterprise-level video management software, Perspective VMS, is a browser-based software that streams and captures IP security camera video. The latest version of PVMS uses HTML5 interactive features in a thin client application that is designed to provide real-time situational awareness. Access control and other advanced features are integrated into a unified security platform, creating an ability to track behavior and movement while monitoring the live or recorded video. For more information, please visit Lensec.com. And now back to the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Mike Velarde Show, and I'm excited to welcome the program. Mike Velarde. Mike, how are you? Hey, great, Neil. How are you? We have a great guest today. You're excited, aren't you? Yep. My friend Melissa is running for Congress. I'm going to let her talk about herself, give us a little introduction about who she is and why she's running. Awesome. Thank you. Um, well, thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Melissa Martz. I am running for Congress in District Number 18. Um, a little bit about me is that I am a patriot um, and, and a mother, um, and I'm really very passionate about, about the cause and why I'm running, and I'm happy to have the opportunity to delve into that a little further. Yeah, let's just jump into it. What made you want to get involved in politics? Uh, well, I don't know that I want to get involved in politics. I think that I felt the call, like a lot of Americans are feeling at this moment. Um, I call it almost a moral obligation. Uh, so I have no intentions of becoming a career politician. It, it has not been a childhood dream to be a career politician. I've noticed in this last year, um, just a trampling on our constitutional rights. Um, and so out of that has birthed this strong desire to do all that I can do to correct these wrongs that we're seeing in our American culture. Yeah, Melissa, let me ask you a question. Joe Biden just came out with a whole bunch of gun control um, initiatives. Yeah. So why don't you tell the audience where you stand on the Second Amendment and what you think about Joe Biden's gun control issues? OK, well, there's a lot I could say on the topic. Um, so so to answer the first question, how do I feel about what Joe Biden is doing? I mean, it's it's an absolute disgrace. It tramples all over the Second Amendment. Um, I believe he filed amicus brief in, in one of the cases that's made its way to the Supreme Court, um, which would allow for an exception for officers to come into our homes and take away our guns um, without a warrant, right. which 
unbelievably un-American and unbelievably unconstitutional, huge violation of privacy rights, forget about a violation of your Second Amendment right. Um, but to answer the question, how do I feel about the Second Amendment, um, I feel that I stand behind and I think it's one of our clearest uh, uh, written amendments, shall not infringe. And I think there's a few important points to make about that amendment. So a lot of times when people talk about the Second Amendment, they go right to things like self-protection and home invasion. Um, I have pulled a firearm on a home invader. I think it is great to have your firearm for that purpose, but I think we need to educate Americans, again, why do we have the Second Amendment? What, when it was penned, what was its intent? And it, its intent was not necessarily for home protection and private protection. It was to bear arms in the event that we experience a tyrannical and rogue government, and we right. need to pick those arms and, and disarm right. that. So the exact things that we're experiencing today is the reason why that it's so important that that second amendment is protected. At this moment, it is the last line of defense we have into becoming a communist nation. So, you know, it's very almost comical, uh, but not funny when you see these legislators like uh, the, the incumbent that I'll be running against um, very much behind banning um, assault weapons in particular AR-15, of course, somebody that has a tyrannical mindset is gonna to wanna to ban those weapons because their purpose um, is to come against the same kind of weaponry that a rogue government might be carrying. So we cannot afford to compromise um, on that right in any way. And government is there not to grant the right, they are there to protect the right. So I feel very strongly about um, that right being protected. And when I get in office doing all I can to protect that right for the people. So that's one of the things that's uh, discouraging you but the process once you said i'm gonna run right i'm gonna run what's that process like so tell us so like you decided i'm just you didn't want to get involved in politics but you had to based on what's happened what did you how are you going about doing it okay so um there there's a lot to answer that question um and in in sincerity i am a mother which means i have a vested interest in the future of this nation if I didn't have a child, I could live and die under tyrannical rule and, you know, and, and move on to what comes after this. Uh, but knowing that there's another generation, it really is um, a call to action. I know mothers watching will understand the autonomic response to protect our children. Um, that, is, that is part of what is driving me in, in this in this run. So, you know, what did it look like for me? I don't know that what it looked like for me is necessarily what it's supposed to look like or looks like for other people. Um, but I noticed that there was, particularly in this district, a need for sincere representation. Um, there's, a second, there's a second part to, to the fire that was lit within me to run. The first is like this kind of end times that we're experiencing of our, of our constitution. You know, people are calling it a, correctly a constitutional crisis. Uh, the second, as I started to consider this, <laughs> was learning that my suspicions about the corruption in even getting in to an official position um, right. and being able to be in the servant leadership position is so real. So it's like this small group of elite people with name recognition and money get to play, they pay to play and get to be our representatives. 
And when I realized that and was have been told by many people that it's impossible and that in particular the incumbent uh, Brian Mast has way too much money and name recognition, despite pedophilia promoting comments, uh, you know, it's just it's impossible because this is how it is and this is politics. Um, that was the second layer to to my drive that no, we we need to do this. We have to change. We have to break the mold and we have to change the, the way that things have been. Just because it's how it's been doesn't mean that we roll over and accept it and, and we can't. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. I mean, something obviously has to be done. And I think that's why that's why Georgia and you're going to see other states passing voter ID laws because because yeah. it was totally fraudulent. I mean, they, they, they brought in ballots from China and we had evidence of it. We saw it was going into the machines. We saw videos of, of, of Democratic operatives putting, putting ballots for Biden and Biden only. I mean, nothing else was checked, no down ballot. We had videos of this stuff. We, they, wouldn't let, uh, they wouldn't let Republicans into the room when they were counting in yep. uh, Philadelphia. I mean, it, it's, it's, this is, this is. It should be, out, it should cause outrage yeah, sure. Democrat so, and Republican alike. Here, here's, yeah. the, here's the question, Melissa. Why are other people, why are certain Republicans just turning a blind eye to it? And it could have gone further. It could have gone to the Supreme Court and it didn't. Or it could have. No. So. No, no way. Because the Supreme Court, Roberts, they have evidence of him doing something on tape with, it, right. with someone that's underage. There's no way Roberts is ever going to let this come before the Supreme Court. They would expose him before that. So how would, how would there be any way to stop the voter fraud? Couldn't for this one. Well, the problem is you got to get, Roberts needs to be, he needs to be um, impeached because he is not doing his job. These are clear cases that should have went to this before the Supreme Court and Judge, Judge Roberts as the Chief Justice wouldn't allow it to happen. That's very problematic. Very problematic. Melissa, what's what, your thought? Okay. Yeah, well, when you asked the question about, you know, these, these justices that wouldn't take the case and the Republicans that seem to be turning a blind eye, you know, I have no, I have no personal knowledge. I don't know these people personally, uh, but as a human with a thinking brain, we have to ask and wonder why. Um, and I would suspect corruption, corruption of moral character, corruption of heart, um, maybe they were in on it to some capacity. There's, there's no reason that a true patriot, whatever side of the aisle you're on, would have any legitimate reason for turning a blind eye or being complicit. And as an attorney, I think it, it is so disheartening, disappointing, flabbergasting that the Supreme Court would not hear this case. There, and the reason for doing so was lack of standing, which is it doesn't make any sense. It just, none of it makes any sense. So that's when you start to put the puzzle pieces together to go, this runs really deep. And that's why I say it's going to have to be the people. We are the fourth branch of government. We ought to be the check on the other branches. And there's more of us than there are of them. And it takes every single one of us standing up. And when they, when people say that, it's like this, you know, kind of abstract idea of how do I stand up? Um, but but that is exactly why I'm running because how do we stand up? We've we've got to get back into this system um, the the true voice of the people. I understand in Florida, it's a lot of it's opened up. But what are your thoughts with COVID nineteen? And if we continue to be shut down in certain parts, certain counties, and certain places across the country, 
what are your thoughts on all that and how we can get back to really back to normal again? Yeah. So, I mean, that's a multifaceted answer. How do we get back to normal again? I don't, I don't know that we will ever get back to normal. And what I hope, you know, my idea of, of that disgusting phrase, the new normal uh, is not the same as when people say that my, my idea is a freer country that will never be duped again. Um, but how do we get there? Um, you know, again, I think it goes back to, to the heart of the people and the awakening of the people to see how we have literally been enslaved by our government and it's just being manifested in this really real disgusting way with our, with our mandates and our closures. And you say we're free in Florida, um, but I don't, I don't have that experience really where I am. I know that's what's widely reported. Um, we're in one of the, um, one of the places in Palm Beach in Florida where we still have a, a mask mandate, which myself and three other attorneys have, have sued against the unconstitutional mask mandate. Um, that's what I've done personally to fight against this. Um, I know people that have, have lost a great deal because of, of the closures. Um, it's been absolutely devastating. Right. What if I, there's another shutdown that could possibly happen if they're talking the fourth <laughs> wave? What would happen then? That'd be just awful, especially when you well, look at people Europe don't and rise up. Yeah. 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 People don't rise up. Um, it, I think it would just absolutely crush. It would crush the economy because, you know, who doesn't suffer are, are the big brands. And again, it's I mean, this is like, like, what do we live in China? You know, I mean, it's ridiculous. Who stays who stays open? Walmart. Yeah, but this Home- has happened. This is happening in Europe all over the place. And they keep shutting down a third time, a fourth time. Luckily, we've really had semi shutdown. We've never had a national shutdown. I hope that that doesn't happen. But it's interesting to see your thoughts. And we're not seeing lots of Republicans standing up for this. So there you go. That's why Mike is endorsing Melissa. Mike is not correct because she will at least speak out against all the atrocities that are happening with Absolutely. our rights and freedoms. Absolutely. Absolutely. Melissa is a great candidate. She has, she has strong moral values and she should be a voice for the people, which is what we need. Um, because, I mean, look at the mass mandates. I mean, what are your feelings about that? Well, I have, I have a lot of thoughts about the mask mandate. I want to start by saying um, I believe in our, our right to choose and our medical autonomy. I mean, here in Florida, our constitution affords us even more privacy right as it relates to medical autonomy. Um, and so if people want to wear a mask and they want to social distance, they should have that choice all day long. You want to slowly suffocate yourself, God bless America, you should have that choice. So I am not an anti-masker as I have been called. <laughs> um, mask, keep it, wear it. Um, the, the issue and the problem that, that violates our constitution and our American ways is when you begin to mandate that mask. Um, where I find it the most egregious is where we see it with our children. And as a child advocate, I feel very strongly that it is Crazy to have that in the schools, all the kids in the schools wearing masks. It's very tough for them to learn, to understand. It's really terrible. It's, it's, it's government mandated child abuse, and it's not something that's really being talked about. Um, I'm not a doctor, but I do have a degree in biology and a minor in chemistry, and I can read a medical study, and I can decipher what is credible and what is not. And I have read countless medical studies um, to show that mask wearing is both harmful and ineffective. So to require them on our children whose brains are still developing, it is absolutely a form of, of abuse and it's been normalized. Um, you know, I would never, never judge a parent who, who 
thinks that they're doing the right thing for their kid, but this is where we need more um, free thought in our country. And this is exactly why the government should not be giving us medical advice because it's going, the harm is, is coming. I mean, the harm is being done. There's psychological and physical harm that's happening as a result of these mandates, which are just patently unconstitutional despite what our judges want to tell us. Well, how about the vaccines? I mean, I think that's with these vaccine passports, I think that's getting out of hand that they want to mandate that you have to have a vaccine. And, and the vaccines are experimental. Well, so I, so out of um, my, own, my own conviction of ethics, I cannot call it a vaccine. Um, you, I'm sure most people are aware that the, the government calls it the mRNA vaccine. Right. So messenger RNA and RNA is genetic material and you're being injected with messenger RNA. Uh, so it's actually more truthfully a, a gene therapy. And what's disgusting about the push for this vaccine and the idea of vaccine passports is that it is being widely pushed with misinformation. So again, if people want the truth, they're going to have to search for it. This, this gene therapy has not been tested on humans. In fact, those that are taking it now, they are the trial. The trial occurred with animals and it didn't go well. So people should, should look into that. Um, you know, it's, it's been well established and known that most vaccines will have um, aborted fetus tissue in them. They often come with harmful metals. Again, God bless America. If you want to put, you know, fetus tissue inside of your toddler, go for it. But to mandate it and to misinform <coughs> people and coerce them and scare them into taking a gene therapy that according to VAERS, V-A-E-R-S, it's a website everyone should visit, um, is hurting people, killing people, marring them in major ways. It is hearkening to and similar to what happened in Nazi Germany. And anyone that has a part in it should be ashamed. It's disgusting. Interesting. And that's the thing. And who knows the, the push if they say the fourth wave could be possibly just to force everyone to take the vaccine and then tell us it doesn't work. Well, because we had, we had, we had Sherry Tampenny, yeah. Dr. Tampenny on the show the other week. And what did she say? Basically said, you know, it's not, it's going to, it's not going to help. It's not, a, it's, and that's the thing. And it's come out basically that all it is, is, is another prophylactic. It'll kind of shorten the, the effects of the virus, but it's not going to stop the spread at all. So, and they're not saying that and they're not going to say that. And let's sure. just hope after the George Floyd trials over, they don't shut down the country. That's my, uh, and then there, there you go. So we don't know how long that trial is going to go. I, I don't know if Melissa wants to comment on the George Floyd trial, but that's the. But. No, I actually, I actually did do um, a video about this and, you know, it's, it's, the whole thing is just very sad. It's very unfortunate the way that that story has been um, used to cause dissension among the people. And it is, it is a card in the back pocket to cause more dissension among the people to take the focus away of things like election fraud and uh, constitutional rights and to, and to put it on this very sensational story. Um, and so, yes, that's gonna be sadly very interesting to watch because either way, you know, if this man is, if, if this police officer, former police officer is convicted in the way that the people are asking for, it's almost like a court um, stamp of approval to start defunding our police. They've already started taking the police from schools. Um, and you know, our, our 
police officers that that oath and they want to protect that oath and the constitution and the people they are one of our uh last lines of defense against a tyrannical government so we we need those oath keepers if we kick them out we're in trouble um and you know if if the people don't get the result they're looking for i believe we're going to see upheaval and rioting in the streets which i do believe was the manipulated intent behind the way that this case was postured to the public in the media all right. Okay, Mike, anything to close out? Any other questions for Melissa? Yeah, Melissa, why don't you spend the next couple of minutes telling the voters why they absolutely need to vote for you. Give us the three most important reasons why and what you will do for them. Sure. Uh, well, so what I truly believe is the most important reason is my, my moral character. Um, I'm not going to lie, cheat steal and I can't be bought. I am only running out of the moral fire in my heart. So I believe I can be trusted and it's important to be able to trust the person that is representing you. Uh, secondly, my, my bio is really clear that I was born a fighter. Um, I will fight with everything I have in me for the people and I will fight like I'm fighting for my child because I believe that I am. And uh, lastly, the, the people, whoever they vote for in any race, need to vote for, for someone that is going to protect their constitutional rights, which are these basic inalienable rights that do not come from a piece of paper or from a government. They come for, from our creator and they are inalienable. Um, and so I, I will uphold that and I will, will protect those rights. Um, those, are, those are the reasons I believe that people should vote for me and to learn more and to consider voting for me. What's your website? How can people- uh, So it's, it's easy, it's just my name. So uh, melissamartz.com, M-A-R-T-Z is in zebra, melissamartz.com. Okay. Awesome. And Mike, best place to connect with you, two places. Winning tax solutions. If you have an IRS problem, it won't be fair to the IRS if I represent you, but you save a lot of money. And uh, my book, MikeVillardiBooks.com, the time it was coming, the final chapter, as we watch Bible prophecy being played out here in America. Amen. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks, Melissa. Uh, social media, Thank follow you. you in different places, too? What, there... Yes, it's all variations of Melissa for, for Congress, Melissa Martz for Congress on, on all of the social media websites, but they can be accessed from my website. All right. We appreciate it, guys. Take care. Thank all right, you. Guys. Thank you, sir. All right. You're welcome. That was the Mike Velarde Show, guys. Take care. Celebrity slots. Free spin. Free to play mobile social slot games in the likeness of your favorite celebrities. Making money. Spin to win celebrity experiences through sweepstakes. Free to download. Free to play. Yeah, baby. What are you waiting for? Win meet and greets celebrity merchandise, gift cards, and more. Download Celebrity Slots today.